Hey, there we are. Okay, so. Hi. <laughs> I am just coming off the holiday season. It is Dallas Noctigal here, your host for Bestowing the Brush. Just wanted to say welcome back again. And welcome if you're new. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. This is the first episode after the holiday season of 2020, the year of craziness. And I'm sure 2021 won't be much different. We're already in it, so <laughs> you know what's already happened so far. That's all I'm going to say about that. But what I wanted to preface you with in this episode is that, hey, it's been a minute since we've been together, so it'll be a little bit of a longer episode. First, because I would like to do a little question and answer. Someone through my inbox, whose name is Betty, who I appreciate a lot, had a question in an email, and I thought I would also answer it here on the air for you all to benefit as well. She told me that she really wants to make painting a daily practice, in parentheses, which is probably not realistic, clothes parentheses, or at least a regular thing. I want to grow in my abilities so that it's a source of joy and refreshment to me. I want to thank you for all the resources you put out there and for all the encouragement and for taking us along with you on your journey. You're welcome, Betty. I, I appreciate you so much and thank you for the question because I think this is very common. Um, especially with a new year, we usually have new goals and we want to do something new and follow through. Well, if that thing is painting, I just wanted to remind you about expectations. I think it's so important to remember your expectations when you're going to draw or paint. Remember why you do it. Set a realistic time limit for it too. There's really no pressure to make anything pretty when you're just sitting down to doodle within a certain amount of time. And if you think about a growth mindset, this, this type of mindset says that you might be sketching to learn about something in nature, to simply just sit down, relax, and observe. Maybe it's to re record the sky every day. Um, maybe it's to just simply experiment with colors and shapes. But on the flip side, a fixed mindset, that's your enemy. A fixed mindset says, you better make something pretty, or this is a wasted time. What are you doing? You're terrible. Why try? Anytime you go into a session already judging your skill level, or if you are bracing yourself for a particular outcome, this is usually not helpful. I want you to keep your expectations in check and it will help you get to the paper every day. Getting to the paper every day will be easier because there's not pressure and it will be more enjoyable because you'll just be able to go and um, be looking at what you're observing or to do what your prompt is for the day. So I know there's lots of resources out there for daily sketchbook prompts, but I do know of someone who has an awesome resource for that. It's Jane Boutwell. She, I talked with her a few episodes ago and it was a wonderful interview. So please check that out if you haven't already. Um, she's really great about just having that as a daily practice in her life and encouraging, encouraging other people to do that as well. Um, so 
yes, think about those things. Think about having a growth mindset as you go into this year. And I recommend you read that book, actually, if you haven't. And it seems like I haven't published them yet, but there's a couple of interviews that I do with people who bring up this book. It is called Mindset. It's by Carol Dweck. Um, I really highly recommend it, and it will help you in not only this area of study, but your whole homeschooling experience if you're a homeschool parent, if you're a homeschool student, if you're learning something new, if you're wanting to learn new languages, if you're wanting to pick up a new skill, um, start a new sport, do something new, basically, our brains grow to the capacity that we ask it to do. Um, so many people kind of get boxed in by saying that you have a certain talent or you don't have a certain talent. And it's just not true. In most cases, you can build skill and you can learn something new. If you are an, a neurotypical um, person who who doesn't you know have a particular disability, that if you have a mind, it's always expanding. So anyway, that's my encouragement for you right off the bat. And this is my preface into the episode where I get to interview two friends from both from online through Instagram. I met Katie Newby, who actually is my editor. She helped me edit the course and uh, most other newsletters and things that I send out. She's wonderful. Love her to death. And Elena Hendon. And she is a new friend on Instagram that I met not too long ago. And she and Katie talk about their experience doing this course with their kids. Katie has four kids. Elena has has five. And they bring such a great perspective. And at the end of the episode, if you stay till the end, there are some awesome recommendations for supplies that are in budget. Okay, without further ado, here's my interview with them. Enjoy. Hi, welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. Today, I have two really special guests on my show today, and I'm excited to talk to them both. I have Elena Hendon, who is a homeschool mom from Louisville, Kentucky, and I have Katie Newby, who is from North Freedom, Wisconsin. And both of these moms have my course and have been kind of with me on my Instagram page, working my tutorials and doing my YouTube videos. And I thought I'd invite them on the show to chat about my course and how it's benefited them. So why don't you both say hi? Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks for joining me today, you both. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. All right. So first, we have Elena here. And Elena, why don't you tell us where you first heard of me and my course and how it's how it's been going so far and how it's been in your homeschool days? Well, I actually ran across some of your videos on YouTube, and I'm not exactly sure how how I I came to search for it. Um, but I was I was really trying to nail down how to do, how to teach, how to use brush drawing, and so um, somehow or another, I hit up on on some of your YouTube videos, and then one of my friends, um, one of my other homeschool mom friends, Leslie, um, had been following you on Instagram. And by that point, I had finally kind of figured out Instagram. <laughs> and um, I was a little late to following you on Instagram. But by that point, you had started talking about your brush drawing course. And so um, 
I went through and was buying brushes and filling with tubes of paint everywhere. And it was really great to have um, a friendly guide to kind of walk me through that with an eye on the fact that I would be a homeschool mom um, in the 20th century <laughs> working with my students at my kitchen table. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I kind of stumbled across you and got that. My friend Leslie was like, you need to follow her. You would like this. She <laughs> all the colors and gets all the brushes and stuff. <laughs> so that's, um, that kind of sealed the deal. But, um, but anyway, we, we wound up getting the brush drawing course and that's been probably my favorite addition to our homeschoolings whenever the quarantine hit. Um, yeah, if I would have, if I would have gotten it and really dug into it pre-quarantine, I probably would have marched through kind of each lesson and kind of kept us on schedule, but quarantine kind of blew structure out like a balloon. (laughs) So it it kind of feels like our days needed to, to expand a little bit because we weren't going anywhere. And I, um, I actually took the first two weeks and did it in morning time. It was, we did Bible, Pilgrim's Progress, and we prayed. And then we started just getting into that routine of get out the water and the brushes. And where do we want to sit? And where do we want to put our brush? And what else do we need? And so just, I decided we would do it every day for two weeks, even if we were repeating some of the same quick skills or whatever. But I wanted to make it as normal and as easy as possible, because if if I learned anything from trying to figure out brush drawing myself, it was that it was going to be messy <laughs> and it was going to take some adjusting of hands and whatever else. And if you're worried about where do I put this and cleaning up and getting out, it kind of adds an extra layer of stress. So I wanted it to be, I wanted the process and the cleanup and also kind of the language of everything to start to be really familiar. And then after that two week point, we've just kind of um, mixed it around. Sometimes we did it in the morning and sometimes we needed an afternoon to just put the toddlers down and have, you know, charcoal dust all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but, uh, that, that, that was kind of our, our, my introduction to you in that, those first couple of weeks was kind of just establishing this as something we can be very normal about. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you mentioned that you have some toddlers. So can you tell me a little bit about your homeschool? Like what are the ranges of ages of your kids? Okay. So I um, have, um, I have five kids total and my oldest is eight. And then I have a seven-year-old and a fresh six-year-old. So this past school year, I had two students and, you know, the unofficial Charlotte Mason kindergarten where he kind of tags along. And then I also have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And um, the toddlers always join in with the painting. That was that was kind of the best part of having learning time um, with the lessons those first two weeks is that got the toddlers very used to keeping their hands back for a minute until everything got situated. And then they would just go to town, you know, and just play around and get to, to be absolutely a part of it. And then I would give them a break early on. Um, but my, my older three, they just, they enjoy doing things like that together and seeing 
what they're going to draw, especially the charcoal. Once they realized they could kind of wipe it like an etch-a-sketch, it was, hey, watch what I can do. And um, it, be- yeah. it very much becomes um, competitive, of course, because they're boys. But, <laughs> but um, just a way to reflect, you know, what they see and what they're, what they're wanting to do with their, with their paint and their messes and their charcoal. <laughs> Oh, awesome. That's so awesome to hear. That's really encouraging just hearing the ages of your kids and how um, you you still strive to make this, even though it's a messy ordeal sometimes, that it sounds to me like you really worked on those habits in the beginning and tried to get a rhythm into your day of how how in the world you were going to have this happen. So it's def- okay. It was definitely establishing it as much for me as it was for them. And of course, they picked up on so much from you because you're very good during your lessons to consistently remind them about brush care, like clean your brush, wipe your brush. And I would see a kid go, oh, I need to start cleaning. Pause it, mom. I got to clean my brush, you know, or please, somebody give me fresh water. And so um, I always wind up, especially the first week or so, I was up and down much, much more than I was able to sit with them, um, which kind of led to afternoons. My oldest every once in a while would slide in in the afternoons and he and I would watch something together during his free time. But, um, but yeah, it just, it's as much for the mom to have, especially a recorded shorter lesson to be able to get the groove of it. And even if you're doing the same lesson the next day, you know, where, you know, when you're going to get your water out, you know what to expect. And so it's not a loss to repeat. It really just builds that familiarity. Wonderful. I loved um, hearing that you appreciated the short lessons. I really strived to make them short so that you could do them within a 15-minute window of time and not be worried about having it drag on and on, especially with the little ones, if you wanted those those little ones in your time with you. Um, yeah, that's just it's, – it's so great for me to hear that it's it's being successfully worked and that it's being enjoyed by young and old. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay. So Katie, you have the course and you've been working it a little bit, but you actually had a role in how the course was made. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do and your homeschool and your kids' ages? Sure. Um, Well, I do editing um, and I just am trying to start a copy editing business. And so I've been working for you for a year, maybe. Um, so, so yeah. I helped with all the, the copy editing for the course, which was really fun. Um, also, obviously I got to see the course, you know, kind of do the course and see the course before it came out, which was also fun, but yeah, um, it was really, really fun to work on that. I have four kids. They are, um, 12, 10, six, and three. And yeah, we've started working. We have not finished it, but we've started working through the course and we love it. I think one of the, if like, if you, if someone tells you about a Charlotte Mason education, one of the main things they bring up right away is nature study or nature journaling. And then you hear that as a mom and you're like, oh, that sounds wonderful. But then you start doing it with your kids and you realize like, hey, we like, you know, it's easy for the children to get frustrated because they're supposed to be looking at what they see in nature and putting it down their nature journal. And it's not necessarily, you just, you just don't sit down and do that. So I feel like this course 
really gives your you and your children the confidence to nature journal, which is a huge part of Charlotte Mason education, you know. So that's been really helpful for us, just building confidence in my kids. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that as well, Elena? Just absolutely with nature journaling? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. One of the things that I noticed I I we've been trying to work in more hikes and um that that was especially easier whenever it wasn't as hot as it is right now. But um we were going at least twice a week when my husband started working at home and um babies would go down for naps and I could take the three older ones further out and over harder trails. And so we um we actually were at the park and we came across some grass. And so on the way to these little trips, we would listen to Little House on the Prairie. And we had been talking about prairie and different kinds of grasses and stuff like that. And we got out there and there was a big open field and the wind was rushing through it. And one of the boys said, man, this must be what Laura had described about the prairie grass. And um, my my youngest that was with me, who at the time was five, Ezra, he was looking at, at the grass that was in front of him. And he goes, this looks like an elliptical and I said, it looks like a what? And he goes, you know what we do in drawing lessons? And I said, you mean like an ellipse? He goes, yeah, like she does with her brush. And I said, that's right. <laughs> so I think even though he wasn't necessarily applying that directly in his own nature nature journal, um, that seeing is, is just as powerful. And so then, you know, you start to see the base of the the plant or the stem or whatever it is that they're drawing in, in front of them at the table, um, those connections are starting to get made. So I was, I was excited when he made that little observation. <laughs> I think that's what makes it more doable for the children. Like I got to the point in my homeschool where my kids were getting kind of frustrated because they couldn't draw what they were seeing. They just didn't know how, right. and I didn't necessarily know how to articulate it to them. I mean, I can do it because I'm, you know, an adult, at least a little better, but like, it's not always easy to, to tell them to explain how to draw what they see. And you're, what you just said is a perfect example of that. Like just being familiar with the various shapes and then to be told, Hey, let's draw this grass seems a little overwhelming unless you know, it's just a bunch of shapes together and you can do this. Like, yeah. That was it's- one of the mysteries to me when I was first looking at brush drawing is I kept seeing, you know, all the paints, the same color, yeah, I wasn't necessarily reading about it. I was just like, okay, this is an example of brush drawing practice. Or here's a book explaining brush drawing. And it would just be the grids with all these different shapes. And then it was like once we started doing it and watching the motion made to create that shape, it's it's much more applicable when you go out and see the wind rustling grass. <laughs> or you see the curve, you know, fall a certain way you know, in a shadow or whatever. Um, I know for me, it helped with that, you know, much in the same way I, you know, I said, whenever we were watching it for those first two weeks, you get a, you get a language of sorts, you know, there's ellipse and there's, you know, cleaning your brush and holding it a certain way. And all of those things are part of the familiarity that connects quickly when you need it. The brain just, Charlotte Mason's always talking about that, that silent science of relations that's so powerful and real and I mean, that's essentially what a nature journal is, is a, as a way to narrate, you know, what you see and mm-hmm. how, um, how accurately you can, you can achieve that, um, 
which once again is thoroughly overwhelming when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the the main thing I hear from people is that um, painting and nature notebooking, it is overwhelming. So I'm, I'm just thankful that I uh, got the education that I did and am now able to apply it in my homeschool and to share that with people I know across the world, really, <laughs> online. Our world has become a little smaller in some ways. So uh, also thankful for a hubby who does tech, audio, video, and the works. This would not be possible without Caleb, who you got to meet with setting up these uh, mics for our, for our podcast today. Okay, I wanted to ask you both. Uh, this course is mainly about brush drawing. But I think you've noticed that there are a couple of extra videos that talk about other skills. Have you dipped your toes into those yet? And um, Elena, it sounds like you had some charcoal um, experience here. Yes. The first day our Hobby Lobby reopened, I went armed with a coupon to get charcoal. <laughs> I had oh, some. Awesome. <laughs> I had some. And then I, I was like, oh, there's there's charcoal, vid- charcoal videos. And I dug around and I could not find it. And I was like, oh. And we, you know, we have the chalk pastels, but I really wanted them because I, I had never worked with them very much. And I, I wanted them to have the mess <laughs> and to have that dark, you know, that very stark contrast. And so um, I kind of, I, I held out and uh, went and got the charcoal and um, the erasing, I think, like just, just the smudging erasing, but also taking an actual eraser after those areas was um, slightly mind-blowing for, <laughs> for my boys. I did not do that aspect with my toddlers. Um, simply because I had watched them do water, you know, washable watercolor paint, you know, how the little ones inevitably have to like rub their eyes or get it in their eyes <laughs> or their hair. <laughs> so I, I haven't done the trouble with the toddlers, but um, that that's a great motivation for the fellows. It's like, let's finish everything up. As soon as the babies go down, out, come, out came the charcoal for the ones that we've done. And that that's been super fun. I'm so glad to hear that. A lot of people are intimidated by charcoal, but I think especially for boys, I don't know what it is. It's it looks like dirt. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's so tactile, and it, they can feel it in their hands and get their hands dirty. <laughs> and there is a baby wipe. That was, I mean, that was really all. Oh. I I kept just a big old pack of baby wipes at the table, and that did fine. And somebody used a cloth, you know, to wipe everything mm-hmm. down once we moved stuff. So. Really- Are you even a mom if you don't have 12 packages of baby wipes around the house? <laughs> yes. I don't think yeah, yeah. It's, it's essential. <laughs> That's a great tip for the listeners. Get yourself some baby wipes. Have them readily available for whatever art project you're doing. They're, I don't know what it, what's in them. They just get rid of everything. <laughs> you were about to say something, Katie. Oh, I was just going to say that it's – I think another thing that might be appealing to kids about it is that it is, there's no such thing as perfectionism with charcoal. Yeah. Right. Like, or yeah. Right. Especially if they're being told, Hey, just rub it over and do, you know, draw over it. Like that's so freeing. That's so freeing for kids that maybe struggle with, Oh mom, this isn't, it doesn't look like yours or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really. Yeah. I had another mom tell me here recently that when so they had been doing brush drawing, they'd been doing brush drawing, but her son didn't really 
advance in his skills and take off and become free until he tried charcoal. And I found that to be really interesting that that just freed him to make, you know, bigger lines and broader shapes and to get, could, to get to do some of those erasing and, uh, you know, that's when you see like the lights and the darks and you see the whole value range. So I think a variety is really good. It is. My guys um, hit up on a documentary about animation at some point um, recently. And it was, it was old Disney footage of animators practicing their drawing skills and they were all using charcoal. And the guy, it was, it was staged to degree for the cameras. This was like back in the fifties. So it was all kind of staged, but one of the animators had drawn an elephant and the guy came by and gave it a quick smudge and said, but if you do this, this, and this, the elephant looks much, much more like he's moving. He looks much more um, lifelike and funny, you know, and he did it again and made it look a little different. And that clicked for my guys. It was like the, the idea of not erasing at all, but erasing to adjust and how much that changed with that suggestion. Um, that was, that was, I saw all the little light bulbs go off as they watched that. That's so neat. And I love those old, watching those old um, Disney illustrators do their work. It's just mesmerizing. Even for me, like an artist myself, just watching another artist work, I think is really educational. Yes. That's that's wonderful that you've had this time. I mean, even so for the listeners, we're in the middle of the I don't think we're all technically in quarantine anymore, but we're sort of past a lot of the coronavirus stuff. But this course came out right as that was beginning. And so I think it it became a staple in a lot of homeschool homes just to be able to do something at home that wasn't that you had to go out and go to dance practice anymore, or you were missing out on your soccer practice or whatever you had outside of the home. Um, and I think that that's what I would have appreciated in a course too, was just something that I could open up my computer and have ready and for us all to do it there together. Um, Elena, I'm actually really interested in this idea that you had for birthday portraits. Can you talk to us about what you guys do with that? (laughs) Yeah. So um, whenever my oldest turned six, um, I realized that I really didn't have very many pictures. And so um, I kind of, I was like, oh, I'm kind of sad about this. And so I, we did a little quick picture of him. I got his brothers too. For his birthday breakfast. That's kind of part of the tradition. Everybody has birthday breakfast on your birthday and a birthday person gets to choose the menu and um, siblings get up early and wrap presents and decorate with the tackiest, most wonderful, most fabulously crazy conglomeration of whatever decorations they can tape to the wall <laughs> before you wake up. <laughs> and so um, I try to hit them up the day before now because what started out as those little cards um, I did, I was, for whatever reason, I didn't do it with the next two birthdays, but by the time I had, cause I was pregnant with my daughter, that's why by the time we had my daughter, who's baby number five, um, the boys made pictures on bigger paper and we used India ink. I had, for whatever reason, had run across a bottle of India ink and some nice brushes. And so we just did, um, basic drawings of, 
of, you know, just a little girl baby head, just a circle and eyes and whatnot. And so um, from there, we practiced kind of drawing, I let them practice drawing themselves in a mirror with the India ink. And um, we did that a couple of times, just talking about where eyes are and where ears are and how they kind of line up. And that gave them the confidence that by the time we hit up on the next birthday, which was Ezra in June, <laughs> he was the first official set of birthday portraits. And so the day before the birthday or somewhere around then, I, um, I tell those, the siblings, go study the face and they'll, you know, they'll go find whoever and either, you know, embarrass that person or, <laughs> or just observe them as they're doing something else. And then they get their, their time at the table, sometimes together and sometimes alone. And they just paint, um, just a simple sketch. And it's, it's always great to see how they progress or, or to just see how they see that person. Um, I have one fellow that one year, everybody had impeccable and just crazy detailed teeth. And and one year, one of my boys did somebody with like crazy detailed eyes. It was just so interesting what they kind of decided to pick up on. But um, they get displayed every year across the the window as part of the de- decorations. And um, it's it's just it's been a lot of fun to watch um, to just watch their perspectives and their skills grow. How perfect! I just loved the pictures that you sent me over Instagram of those. I just. I cracked up. It, it's so funny to see which which children pick out what feature of the person <laughs> and what they exaggerate and what they yeah what they work on more. Yeah, it's really interesting. One year, my my least well, I, I can't say that. One of my children just he's very much no nonsense. Like if he's going to wrap the present, it's going in a bag. Like we're done. We got this. And if he's going to draw your picture we're going to have an oval and we're going to do this and do that. And Hey, that looks great. I'm good with that. Okay, let's go. And so he decided for, um, for one of the brothers, they were both kind of going through a silly phase. He drew a silly version of him. And then he drew a very contemplative, serious, serene. I mean, it was the simplest line drawing, but it just looked so sweet and so kind. And he had this crazy silly one and that one. And I think those are probably, I mean, he did them in no time flat, you know, Mr. No Nonsense. We're going to do a funny one and we do a serious one. And they were just beautiful because it was the brother that he was, he had been quirky with for about a month <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah, I may be stealing this idea from you. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, the, the most important thing you can do, <laughs> this is so silly, make sure you get the name of the artist like by so-and-so, but also put the name of the child and the age because it's not like exactly like a photograph. No. <laughs> and nope. when your children look similar, everybody's circles kind of start running together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Aww. laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh. Okay, Katie, what's something that you've really liked in the course, specifically any videos or um. anything overall? I think overall, just how simple it is, you know, just how, like, like, um, Elena was saying earlier, everything is, it, the lessons are short. It doesn't have to be like this huge, big deal. And then it's very doable for the children and for the mom. And like, it's one for me, like it's one less thing that I have to teach. I can just participate too. And 
I mean, that's obviously helpful for me, but also it's enjoyable because it's something I can do with my kids, you know, instead of talking at them. So yeah, I think just overall it's simplicity and it's just really helpful in my school day. And it's, it's super practical in terms, again, of the nature journaling. Like that's such a huge part of a Charlotte Mason education. I just can't emphasize that enough that like, I think a lot of kids get stuck. Like at first they're so excited about it. They love nature journaling and then they start to see other, other kids, nature journals and they get intimidated. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple of my kids that are like, I'm not doing this anymore because I can't do it well. But brush drawing gives them that, again, that confidence of I can do this. It's really just seeing the shapes and putting them on. Like it just, it's very doable. So Mm -hmm. it's simplicity and um, practicality, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Lena, do you have children at your table that like to compare each other's work? Oh, yes. I have, I have one kid who would not notice one way or the other. And, uh, another child that like notices not only if his paper is not balanced or equal or whatever, but if someone else's isn't, (laughs) Oh goodness. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the kid that's like, there's a random mark on the bottom of the cereal box. Why is that? I'm like, I don't know, honey. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yes, there there have been those times, and I think having the, I, I truthfully, one of the things that's that's helped them is hearing you encourage them to have a bit of order and to think about how they practice those lines and blobs and shapes and printing. Um, it's one thing when your mom says, can you, can you be neater about this? <laughs> but it's something totally different when your teacher's like, look, you know, you have some, some order or whatever. And so from, for the student that, you know, is kind of all over the place that helps rein them in. But for those students that kind of crave order and, you know, balance like that, um, it gives them a place to explore how to do that without directly trying to um, accurately depict like, you know, something growing out of the ground. <laughs> they, they can play around mm-hmm. with that and, and kind of get a feel for, well, I didn't like where that was. I can try it somewhere else. Um, so anyway, I, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've seen... I, I was talking to my husband about it and I think the word I like to use is risk. Usually my child that um, that's having a hard time because he's being a perfectionist, it's hard to do the next thing because it suddenly feels very risky. Like what if I have to walk through this emotion or redoing this or, you know, trying to fix this all over again. And, um, and I mean, truthfully, that's, that's kind of the goal is that this becomes reflexive and you're willing to take the risk to start your picture here or to label it there. Or, you know, when you start a book of centuries, I think that's one of the things um, I was really excited about with the charcoal aspects and just getting them used to the, the exercises, which we haven't done all of those yet, but the, um, the measuring the, Oh, what's the other one? The negative space, you know, see memory drawings, even, those things translate into eventually a book of centuries. Well, book of centuries is like ink and you're deciding like one thing to follow over the course of a century. All of those things require decisions and risk. 
And so brush drying is really kind of an exercise in that. I mean, this is really extreme. I'm kind of taking it to the extreme. <laughs> but, but for um, for a student that that's struggling with that, that's what it is, is a chance to to take some risks and to decide to do it again and again and again. You say that in the course a lot. You say that all the time. And I think that's, you're exactly right. Like you make it seem less risky because you're like, this is just practice. We're just practicing. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Just do another one. And that I have a perfectionist child as well. And that's really been, because yeah, like you said, they, they want to do it exactly right the first time. Because it's, for some reason, they get it in their head that that's their only chance. And so I love that throughout the whole course, you're like, if you mess up, it's okay. Just do another one. Like you say that so many times and that's really, really helpful, especially in the younger years. And that, I feel like that helps because the whole point of this process is that they, they learn to see accurately and to, to think about what they've seen and then try to communicate that. And Mm. And I, I found it interesting. A lot of the nature journals, um, sometimes that I've seen, like from the archives or different things, had a lot of writing and a lot of poetry. And it was really someone just connecting with what they saw in nature. Mm-hmm. And if it if it led them to a poem or a song or a reference to something else, you know, they beautifully wrote it in. Um, you know, whether it over overpowered the drawing itself or not. And so um, I found that interesting because it would, the idea was to, to see and to, to let, to allow that connection to happen. And we're trying to help them do that visually so that it becomes a natural thing because it's, it's an easy way to communicate once you've learned how to do that. And then out of that comes all of these other connections to what they're learning, their poetry or a folk song or for us grass and little house on the prairie, apparently, (laughs) you know, all of those, Mm -hmm. um, all of those little things that also become, that are part of your feast anyway, and part of your day. The brush drawing Mm -hmm. isn't a side dish. It's part of the feast, like everything else. Well, that's so encouraging. Thank you. Um, You said something that made me think of something else. I find that when I'm out sketching or something, I oftentimes uh, need that time to slow down and look at something before any words come to me later about it. Right. So, you know, getting getting that time to just slow down is, I think, what would help me think about what I was smelling or thinking about the breeze and what the sky looked like that today, day or what it felt what the temperature felt like and all of those things combined together help you write your narrative about how your your walk went and what you remember is really the things you sense and oftentimes we just don't do that because we don't slow down mm-hmm. long enough to mm-hmm. register that in our minds so mm-hmm. yeah I think that's one thing I've I've always really loved about about drawing is the contemplative aspect of it it's funny you say it that way. My um, my doodle bug, my little guy that doodles all the time, is also like a hundred miles an hour from the minute he first wakes up in the morning. <laughs> he is he's all over the place. But when when he's ready to draw, you don't see him for a while. It's like where did he go? And you'll find him at I have an easel set up in the corner of our kitchen. Um, 
number one, to keep him close when I was cooking dinner, because I noticed that's when sometimes he would get into tussles, because he would be tired by the end of the day when he was a little bit younger. And that was a good way to say, hey, here's some things, you know, by the window. And um, he would just, he would either disappear to the table with a deck of index cards or be at the easel and just be as quiet and contemplative as, as he could be after being a little human rocket all day long. <laughs> a human rocket. I love that. I'm sure no one listening has a child like that. So <laughs> I'm afraid to turn this off if this doesn't apply to you. <laughs> the last question I wanted to ask you both is if someone were considering purchasing this course as an addition to their homeschool, would they be able to do this course on a budget and with minimal materials? And if so, what would you recommend someone gets to work this course on a budget with bare minimum amounts of things? I'll go because <laughs> we are on a minimal budget. Hey, okay. <laughs> we um, go. If you, I would say, especially if your children are younger, and I know this might not be like, this is just me. This might not be um, everyone's thing. I know in Charlotte Mason circles, it's often recommended to get the highest quality of all the art supplies that you can. But the truth is a lot of us can't afford that. And especially with something like this, where a lot of it is just practice, and I'm not saying you are throwing it away, but it's just practice. Like you might want to save the cold press watercolor paper for like, I don't know. That's how I view it. So what I would say is maybe three tubes of paint, cyan, magenta, and yellow, um, like a few round brushes that you've told me you can get at like Hobby Lobby online. It's so cheap. Oh, yes. It's so cheap. And then we use cardstock a lot for this kind of thing. Like we use white cardstock. We were actually blessed by my dear librarian who gave us an entire box of it. But like mm-hmm. even a, like a, a ream of cardstock is still going to be cheaper than watercolor paper. And if you have the six, seven, eight-year-olds who are just practicing, I think cardstock is a good happy medium between like you don't want to use computer paper because that just doesn't work well. But you might not want to use a super expensive watercolor paper yet. So that's what I would say. Brown brushes, um, three colors of paint, that because you can make any colors with those. And that's also really fun, which you talk about in your courses, experimenting with color. So that's what I would say, those three things at the bare minimum. Awesome. What about you, Elena? I totally agree with that. We, um, we have Hobby Lobby brushes. Um, I had some boys request some nice brushes for, for birthdays or for like for Easter basket. And so oh, that's yeah. when we've gotten some nicer brushes, but I still use coupons like at Michael's or Hobby Lobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would say the same thing. Cardstock's really good. Um, I also say I got, um, it was one of my boys that was a, it was a gift. He wanted to just practice more. And so I got a mat. I think Dallas, I saw it. I think I saw you use it and someone else on Instagram used the calligraphy that dries the grid, yeah. you know, roll up. that's super fun. And I, I will say I have used, um, especially for toddlers, a, you know, a nice firm brush that'll hold the shape, but just water and dark colored, uh, not dark colored, like, you know, like your green or even a red construction paper because it leaves the wet mark. And it's a good oh. way to, that, that was how I taught um, 
the older ones when before we had the brush course, what I meant by too much water. <laughs> How do you load your brush with water? Well, let's try it here on this uh, this construction paper. Oh, it's just a big blob. <laughs> Didn't hold that's the shape, huh? Genius. Yeah, so, that's genius. Um, I love it, that idea. It, it just kind of dries out, and then you can practice again. Um, but I did. I got the. I did this at Walmart not long ago. The the packing paper, it's very inexpensive and it's about the size of newsprint and it's fairly yes. thin, but it rolls, you know, it, it just, it's just out and it's great for charcoal. Um, charcoal is fairly inexpensive. It breaks. Don't freak out. You keep using the little pieces. They actually think that's really funny to get it underneath their fingernails and be able to sketch it. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me how I know. Um, but just, I mean, like right now at Target, if we want to go super cheap, right now at Target, they have the, because right now is almost back to school time. They oh, okay. usually have in the dollar spot the rolls of that white paper or even sometimes craft paper or even sometimes black. And you could use your charcoal or chalk on something like that just to have a bigger space because Dallas, you do such a good job of, Reminding them to involve their shoulder, and that's big, big things. That's big shapes. And um, looking at bigger paper, I was like, I cannot. Uh, no, I can't do this right now. <laughs> and nobody had an inexpensive newsprint pad, and so I wound up running across that at Target one day. I mean, not Target, Walmart one day. The packing paper, um, and it worked really well. So, um, but yes, definitely as far as the paints you know, get, get three tubes and, and then it's fun. You know, if you can up a brand, it's fun to see, you know, what you think of the differences and, um, in either color or consistency, but you, the, the color mixing lesson, having three colors alone and then combining them together and watching kids do that. That's just magical. That's so fun. So fun. It is. It's so much fun. And it, I think that also builds confidence doing that. Mm-hmm. You can feel like they have control yeah. over it yeah. and know how to do it again. Yeah. Well, you two, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for spending some time chatting about the course. Um, for all you listeners out there, the course is called Brush, Chalk, and Charcoal Foundations in Drawing. And you can find that right on the homepage of my website. You can see a sample video there. You can also, I have a breakdown of every single concept in my course and how many videos there are. And they are very short. They're no longer ever than 10 minutes. So between six and 10 minutes long. And there are 33 of them and they are all high quality. So I, uh, I'm thankful to bring that course to you and I hope that it belongs in your homeschool. And I hope that you'll check it out. Please also get a hold of me on Instagram at Bestowing the Brush and also check out my YouTube channel. Thank you to both of you. Thanks again for chatting, and I will talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks for having me.